Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Hello, I'm Jack D. And I'm Sean Walsh. And this is the podcast which reveals our secret lives with our best friends. We do tend to get right down to the most uncomfortably personal aspects of our relationships with our beloved dogs. And we want to hear yours as well. And today's episode, we are going to be speaking with Jonathan Ross. Yes. So, Sean, how's your week been? How's how's Mildred? Mildred is fine. Um, we have had a bit of an issue. Um, oh. Yes. I don't think I told you this, but Mildred basically, she barks a lot in the garden. Right. So she's fine out, she's fine indoors. There might be a little bit of barking uh, if someone knocks at the door, but if we let her out into the back garden, yeah. that is guaranteed barking. All the time when she's out there. She can calm down. Mm-hmm. But once we open that door, she gets out and she's barking for, for minutes. Which doesn't yeah. sound like a long time, but, you know, you let her out several times a day. Yeah. And, of course, it doesn't really matter what time of the day it is. So she goes out at 11pm. I'm opening that door. She's already got her port. She's already stood up against the door. Right. I open the door and minutes okay. of barking. Yeah. Now, yeah. what something's happened. We've had an incident is whilst I was out last night... And I'm so glad I wasn't here for this. A neighbour popped round. Oh. <laughs> Complaining, obviously. Yeah. Yes. Apparently, we're in the WhatsApp group. Oh, no. Be, you, so you've been talked uh, about. Mildred has been talked yeah. about. <laughs> yes. That, oh. How did Grace handle that? She told me she was incredibly anxious, mm-hmm. felt incredibly awkward, was incredibly apologetic. Now, the neighbour... I I think I know who it was, and he's a very nice he's a very nice man. No, he's not. <laughs> it's a dog. It's a dog. It's gonna bark sometimes. All right, let's be reasonable. The barking went a bit out of control, didn't it? So, and 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 what's he said? He just said, "Is there a way of of maybe uh, lowering the amount of, of, of okay, barking?" Okay, right. So, well, I do know yes. that um, uh, Nelly, who is my daughter's Frenchie, and she was a, barked a lot, and they got um, a little collar you put on her, which gives a little a, a little vibration when when she barks, and it, it worked. It just sort of reminded her to just to, to pipe down. Oh, the, 
I thought, hang on, I, I've misunderstood because Grace told me about that and I thought that they got a little... I thought it was cruel because I thought they got a little, little electric shock. I don't think it's as bad as that. As uh, I mean, maybe maybe I've fooled myself into thinking, <laughs> no, it's nothing. It's, it's just a, a vibration. You don't have to shave their heads or anything and put it on. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not... <laughs> It's not that severe, but it but it it, it seemed to work. It worked for her because she didn't she didn't like it. I don't. It doesn't hurt them. I don't. I wouldn't recommend anything okay. like that. But I think if, if it just reminds them to calm down, it distracts them. So maybe that would work. All right. Well, watch watch this space yeah. because what I'm gonna when, when I think for me that will be that will be a kind of last resort. That will be a last resort. Thank okay, you. Okay. Okay. Uh, so what we're gonna try and do is we we'll let her out, and if she barks. You, t- you take her in instantly. That's probably a better way of... Well, to, to begin with, that's what you do. Does she bark if you're out there with her? Late last night, I let her yeah. out, and I ran out with her, and she knows. She kept it uh-huh. down. Uh-huh. Well, you know, maybe if she if you're out there with her, she's less, less anxious, less stressed. Yeah. Yeah, okay. These are the things, because I'm too laid back, and I don't mind, I that, that we should have nipped that in the bud earlier. Sooner. I didn't know there was a way of training. I mean, I didn't even, it's so silly. I didn't even bother to look into, is there a way of stopping that? I just thought, oh, right, she barks then when she's out. That's what she does then. Uh, It it probably is something that you can deal with. And now this is in a podcast. You're going to be inundated with tips as well. This is the thing. You'll have so many, so many. T- you'll you'll end up lying on an episode of the podcast, <laughs> saying that your your Mildred doesn't bark ever anymore. It's fine. Please, everyone, leave me alone. <laughs> but you know, have you ever had to just just quickly with mm. Dolly? And I know Dolly was a rescue yeah. dog and and doesn't like walking. But is there anything that you've ever even attempted? to kind of train either out of her or, or indeed train her towards? It's very difficult because she was uh, she was about six when we got her. And to be honest, she's a very well-behaved little dog in the yeah. house. The snag with her is that she just does not have any, any interest in going for walks, whereas <laughs> Jane and I like walking. So yeah. we, we'll take her with us and, you know, she puts up with that. She'll say, well, okay. if you want me to come on this walk, you better carry me, you know. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I will I will let you go for a walk, but I don't want to be <laughs> doing any of it. So, yeah, so she's, she's been... Then She's not a typical dog, though, that, this yes. has to be said. She's not a typical... And she's not even a typical chihuahua, because, you know, they can be quite yappy. So, yeah. All right, then. Mm. Well, we've got Jonathan. I know. I'm looking forward to this. I do hope that he opens up and, you know, we can, we can get him to... <laughs> So shy. That's the problem with Jonathan. So quiet. He's a bit like my Chihuahua, really. Yes. I think we're going to have to really grill him, aren't we? I'm sure we will. Got loads of questions lined up because you know, just to keep, just to keep the chat going, really. Jonathan Ross has been one of the UK's most popular TV and radio presenters for over 30 years and more recently can be seen as one of the judges on the hit shows The Masked Singer and The Masked Dancer. But we don't care about all of those amazing achievements. We want to hear all about his canine friends. Jonathan. You are a man of many dogs. I've seen you with 
hundreds of different dogs over the years and you're posting very generously on social media showing their adorable canine friends tell us who you've got with you now well with me now one of them by the way uh, i'm fanning myself because one of them has just come over and farted on me i guess that must be the case <laughs> the joy of dog ownership um and these are the the dogs that we have in our life now because you're right i've had dogs for the last 25 30 years so obviously we've lost you know many to old age and other things so with me right now on my lap or by my feet we've got our two brussels griffins they're um dogs that were like stable dogs back in the day and so they still have a tendency to try and catch mice and rats right because we have cats as well, and sometimes if the cats catch a mouse, these two dogs will try and get it off them and eat the mouse. Oh, okay. I've rescued mouse from their jaws a couple of times. Uh, mice. Uh, so there, I've got two Brussels Griffins. Pumpkin, who's still a puppy. She's pretty tiny. She's adorable. And Spooky, who's he's lovely. He suffers from anxiety and neurosis. He's very needy, but he's very lovely. And to my right right now is our old French bulldog, Snowball, Professor Snowball who is quite elderly. He's 15 now, or 14, I think, current 15, completely deaf, oh. so you can't call oh. him. No. And if he can't see us in the house, you'll hear this horrible noise that they make. So he sort of goes, ow, ow, ow. There was once when Jay and I, we locked the bedroom door, we thought there was a man in the house because <laughs> we heard him shout, no! And we thought, this man shouting, he can't get in, he's shouting, no. I mean, literally, there was another time when we actually called the police because we thought someone was at the door and they came to the house and we worked out we think it was mice. <laughs> and we got one more dog with us because my daughter's not well, so she's living with us. So we're looking after her dog as well. And that's another French bulldog who's a very, very strange, really kind of stubborn, quite obstinate character called Rigel who never backs down. Like, if I'll tell him off about something, like if he tries to take the other dog's food and I'll tell him no, he just stands and stares at me. Right. He, he wants to take it on. He wants to, like, no, you're not, I'm not budging. He's like Gandalf stopping the people. Do you think he was an agent in another life, maybe? I think, yeah, Addison comes back with the bulldog. Um, but it's not as much fun either because he's quite just, and he just goes off and, like, stands and stares at a corner for half an hour. So in total, there are four dogs in your house. Four. The short answer, thank you for bringing me back on track, Sean, you know what I'm <laughs> Yes, we have four dogs, two Brussels Griffins, two French Bulldogs. Incredible. So the first question I want to ask is, who is the originator of the names? Who comes up with names to your dogs? Because they're quite unusual. It's quite a group thing. I mean, my daughter obviously named her dog, and Rigel is the name of a, a weird character from a, fe a very well thought of, but quite obscure science fiction series called Farscape. Right, and Rigel okay. is an alien creature who does look a little bit like Rigel. The dog looks like him. So, you know, a lot of people have got, uh, French bulldogs will call them Yoda and stuff like that because they have that sort of a face. Yes. Yeah. It's a slightly less root one version of that. Yeah. Then Spooky, we called him Spooky because we got him at Halloween during lockdown a couple of years ago and it just seemed to fit. Pumpkin Ditto, we got her near Halloween and she's a little gingery coloured dog and so Pumpkin fitted, but it sort of evolved into a nickname Pom Pom because she has a very round face, it's like a pom-pom. Professor Snowball, a white dog, so you go for Snowball, and he seemed, at the time, I mistakenly thought he would be quite intelligent. I had hopes that he might go on and become something of a, possibly a lecturer in canine behaviour. <laughs> He's disappointed the whole family. Instead, he is deaf and he farts. Rather like Jane's father as well, who lives with us. <laughs> it was even more of a disappointment, frankly. <laughs> so your dog has one of your dogs has an alias because i my dog is uh, i have a cockapoo called mildred barrett right. but she often gets called just the mornoz 
that's just evolved into the mourners. You come in, the mourners. The mourners. Is that, yeah. And you're doing a slight, uh, I would consider potentially racist Italian accent. <laughs> <That was assisted. laughs> the mourners. It just naturally, I don't know where, it, this is just what, what evolved. I found her so cute that it evolved into this kind of Italian gangster, gangster voice. Not many of us find Italian gangsters as cute as you do. <laughs> You and Sylvester Stallone in that camp. But, uh, yeah, we do that. I think it, that's the natural evolution. It's like you do with your kids as well and with your partners. You know, you, you wind up with sometimes you give them a pet name, but sometimes also just something you've called them something a couple of times and it jumps into your head and you stick with that, don't you? Precisely. What about yours, Jack? Do you have nicknames? Because you, you seem you're emotionally with people, you're a very closed person, but I'm sure with that <laughs> you're quite open. Yeah. We have found a, a different side to Jack, a very loving, caring side. Yeah. I've got a chihuahua now. I've got a, a long-haired chihuahua called Dolly. And uh, she doesn't like to walk anywhere, so I carry her. But um, Because if I put her down, she'll turn round towards home and, and head back. So we have to carry her to at least halfway point when we do want to turn back ourselves. So she and will then get she, walk. Yeah, she's she's a very clever little dog, but uh, but sweet. We rescued her, and she, ha she was already called Dolly. So uh, we that was, wasn't our choice. Not that it's a bad name, but it's uh, it wasn't our choice. So she's the uh, the light of our lives. One of the things is um, that we found Sean and I in the, in talking is that he just touched on it. Is that voice that he uses to talk to his little dog? And I, you've already alluded to this. I, you know, I don't get on very well with with people, but but with when it comes to dogs, there is a there's a, an affinity. I feel it's easier to give love. Yeah. The complications of connections with human beings are very, very different to the very easy and simple and very uncomplicated connection one has with a less evolved being, Yeah, um, which I'm sure is why you, your friendship with Sean works. <laughs> you're, probably, you're probably absolutely right. <laughs> you're making my tail wag. Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> Right over, I'll wrap your belly all the way down. Yeah, there is something to do with that that unconditional love. But did you have dogs as, as when you were a child, Jonathan? Do you grow up with dogs? Kind of. I mean, I come from a big family. I come mm. from a poor family. So we had a Mongol dog called Trog. And um, Trog was a kind of quite a stout white dog with black spots. Very sweet. It was a, a girl dog. She got pregnant many, many, many times. My parents never had her spayed. And, and um, she used to break out. She'd escape from the house. And on a regular basis, at least once a year, and it seemed to be mainly me that got this job, we'd be called over to the flats near us. There was a, an area of flat grassland called the flats, and that's where football was played at the weekend. And often she'd be in the middle of a football pitch, stuck to another dog. <laughs> I think she was something of an exhibitionist. She seemed to always do it in the middle of football pitches when matches were going on. And so... As a kid, I had to walk over with a bucket of cold water and throw it over them. Probably considered cruel now, I don't know. So we had Trog for years, and she was very, very sweet, and she had any number of litters. And finally, near the end, we kept one of the puppies. I think my parents knew she was probably on the way out, probably because they'd let her breed so much. And that dog we kept, who looked very similar, but looked slightly more like a... Once again, it was some sort of mixed breed of, like, you know, who knows what, but a street dog. He kind of became my dog, and his name was Tramp. And he was, he looks almost like a kind of black and white collie. He had that kind of look about him. Very, very sweet natured. I spent a lot of time playing with him and hanging out with him. And then... What age was this, Jonathan? Trog was in our life from when I was very young. So Trog was, and Trog was called Tog because there used to be a TV show called Pogles Wood. Mm -hmm. A black and white TV show from the kind of mid-60s for kids. And there was a character on it, a squirrel called Tog. 
And weirdly, I couldn't pronounce Tog. I would call it Trog, which is all the more ironic that I put an R into a word. (laughs) (laughs) And so I named her Trog, and it stuck. So it was a great name. And then Tramp kind of grew from Trog. It sounded a bit like Trog, and it was like a family name. So we called her Tramp, which, of course, once again, these days, you just call a, a, a person who lived outdoors, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, and then when it came to your adult choices of dogs, what what was, because uh, you had pugs for a long time, didn't you? Yeah, we didn't have dogs for a long while. When I first got together with Jane, we did have cats for a little while. And when we had uh-huh. a baby, one of them was a rescue cat that was slightly psychotic. And when we had the baby, she was showing a great degree of displaced envy towards our firstborn. So we rehoused her with a family who went out in the countryside and they took the other cat as well. So we lost both cats. And then when the kids were a little older, by the time we'd had, I think all, I think only two of the kids, we got our first pug, a little kind of sandy golden girl called Princess, who was very, very sweet. Oh no, she was called Tinkerbell. She was really sweet. But once again, I think when we had children, my, my dad used to come over and help out. He used to pay me. He, he had a job he didn't like. So I said, you can come work for me. And of course, you can't really have your parents work for you because you never give them any work. So I said, well, just come over and hang out and answer the door and walk the dog. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll pay you a wage. And so he was very fond of it. And then when they were moving away, we realized that he had probably bonded more with Tinkerbell than any of us. Because when he was leaving, he was about to leave the country, he went to live in France and when he was all retired. And it was quite clear that he wasn't going to miss seeing me, but he showed quite a lot of sadness about being away from Tinkerbell. Uh-huh. If you want to keep Tinkerbell, because we feel she's as much yours as ours. So he took Tinkerbell with him to France, where she lived to a great old age, Oh, that's nice. So that was Tinkerbell. And then when we moved to the house that we're in now, which was 2000, once we got settled and we had the kids, we thought, well, let's get some dogs. We've got a nice big garden. We're right opposite the Heath Extension in Hampstead. So we started by those and we decided we'd get one for each member of the family, which was perhaps unwise. So the first dog we got was a Chihuahua for my youngest daughter, Honey, and that, her name was Princess, and she lived oh. for about 15. Then we got a Shih Tzu for Betty, whose name was Captain Jack. Then we got a Boston Terrier. Oh, lovely. He was Harvey's dog. He was called Yoda. Very sweet. Then we got a pug for me called Mr. Pickle. And Jane got the first uh, Brussels Griffin. Yes, very nice. Very okay. nice. Yeah. I remember Mr. Pickle. I do remember, I, I remember meeting him on one occasion. That's five dogs. Yeah. That's quite, is that, is that too much? A one had nine dogs. What? Yeah, because um, the day before we were about to get Sweeney done by the vet, he mu- it was almost like a man who realised it was his last chance, and he grabbed the opportunity, and he um, enjoyed sexual congress with Princess, the Chihuahua. <laughs> 
delivered four puppies, which is for chihuahuas a lot. It was enormous one stage. It looked like someone had, you know, blown up a, a hot water bottle or something. She was like really stretched. But she had four little puppies. Um, so at one stage we had all of those as well. And then we gave three of them away and kept one. And then for some reason we got some more dogs anyway. I think maybe someone needed a dog taken care of. They were moving away or something. So we did wind up at one stage, I remember, with nine dogs. I think we had Snowball at the same time. So there was a period when we had quite a few older dogs and quite a few younger dogs. And I'll be honest with you, it was kind of hell. Yeah, you think, yeah. You think nine was too much? Well, yeah, yeah I, I think five was too much, but it, it's fine if everyone is doing their fair share. But I don't wish to generalise, but it does tend to the adults start doing most of the work. And in our house, that means me. Yeah. So, like, feeding was all me and walking was often all me. And you can't take nine dogs at once. So I'd manage four or five at a time and then come back and do another four. Or And because we've got a big garden, you know, we've got a lot of space, you could just go out and play with them in the garden and make sure they had exercise. Small dogs are much easier than big dogs, of course. But it was kind of hellish at mealtime, yeah. getting all the nine bowls down and making sure they didn't steal from each other. Oh just the yeah. noise and the smell and the... Chaos. Were they all were they all house trained? Yeah, they're all pretty well house trained. At the moment, Pumpkin is in particular house trained. We've got to work on her more. Is that by you, Jonathan? Do you get someone in or do you do that yourself? It's not that hard to house train them really. As long as you focus when they're a puppy and you make sure you take them out lots and reward them when they do it outside. It's much easier than training children. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, they learn at different rates, all the children, don't they? I've, I've, I've known this from my own kids. Well, my twenties now, one of them still isn't properly <laughs> <laughs> well to be honest i have my moments but yeah. i don't know if that's just because of old age you know it's coming back it's coming back yeah the opportunity to sit on the toilet jack no no <laughs> yeah. but you've at least you've always stuck with the, the small dogs you've not been tempted to go for a great day no or... i do like bigger dogs They're lovely aren't they it's not a decision that i made like oh i don't want a big dog but it's um it, I mean, I think also the way we, it's how you live with your dog as well. We kind of let our dogs, like right now I'm talking to you on the couch and I've got mm. three of them on the couch for me. Yes. Nigel okay. in the final scene from Blair Witch and staring at a corner on his own, you know. <laughs> and two of them sleep on the bed with us. Like at the moment, because Snowball is getting older, I'll let him come in the bedroom as well, but he sleeps on the floor in the bedroom. And right. the dogs, the two smaller ones are on the bed with us. Yeah. And last night, Jane couldn't get to sleep because Snowball was snoring, so I had to go up and nudge him with my foot and at least stop him snoring for long enough for her to get to sleep. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, there's certain complexities to the relationship. I find that when Mildred snores, I find it cute. And when Grace snores, it, I, I can't get to sleep. It annoys me. I don't know why. that. Well, the, the, the snoring of a dog, I really like. Yeah, but that's because you obviously like the dog more than your partner. <laughs> No, no, joking to an extent, but I think, as I said, the kind of complex nature of our relationship with adults is like, and, and humans, when you're angry with a human, you're angry because of lots of different things, or when you're at odds with each other, mm. that it's emotional, it's intellectual, it's physical, the space you're sharing, it's the fact that they have a right to an opinion as well as you do, and it's like, you know, it, it's all that kind of thing where you have to take stuff on board which you don't necessarily want to. With a dog, you don't. If a dog's doing something bad, you go, hey, stop it, hey, hey. And then when yeah. they come and they go, oh, my God, that's so cute. And that's it. That's the kind of level of interaction, really. Whereas with humans, of course, it's more complicated. So I think, like, dogs make a weird noise when they eat. It doesn't bother me. But when humans make a weird noise, we've all found that triggering sometimes. If you know someone. Oh, my God. I used to know a guy who breathed in a really annoying way. He was a friend. And he used to go, he used to sort of almost hold his breath and let it. So he'd go, I'm going to get close. So he'd sort of go like this. You'd hear him go. <laughs> Like that, right? So there'd always be a perk. 
And then once, once I went to a screening of a movie with him, and we were the only two people in the screening. And about halfway through, I lost that. I went, "Will you stop breathing like that?" And what was awful was I'd never previously told him I had an issue with his breathing. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'd let it build up so long that I snapped. I'm not proud of myself. But if that had been a dog, you know, you can nudge them with your foot or you stroke them and they stop doing it and it doesn't bother you as much. Yeah. But a human, it does because yes. you feel that they have agency over themselves and they should and could be able to stop it. By the way, being triggered by the sound of someone eating is called misophonia. There you go. Is that only if they're eating miso soup? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hey. That was quite bad. Yeah, yeah. So the dogs, the you've got two of the dogs in the bed with you? They sort of sleep on the pillows behind our head. Oh, and do they? Interesting. Now that yeah. Spooky's got quite big, because he has some appetite, and we've, we've been a bit lax with his portion control, it's quite difficult at night. So there's a sort of a race to get into bed first. Because if you're in bed yeah. first, and they make other person's pillow, yeah, they get in, and then we'll say, I'll say, oh, you're not going to move them, are you? Look how comfortable they are. Yeah, yes. But um, normally it winds up there. I'm not quite sure where they go during the night, because obviously we're asleep. One is often behind me, still on my pillow, yeah. and one snuggles in between our legs. Or goes, oh, I love you know. that. But it's very reassuring, like, especially if, you know, if you've got anything going on, to reach out at night and feel a nice furry creature. We found dogs dogs in the bed completely changed everything for, for us because we at one point had two dachshunds and they would sleep end to end. So that is like that's like about six foot of dachshund. <laughs> yeah down between the two of us and of course if they're on top of the duvet you've got very little duvet left so we now as a result of that we went to separate duvets and it made all the difference and we've stuck with it it's it i'm i'm a believer the duvet conundrum is very real problem of course jane seems to think that it's okay for me to have six inches on the side of the bed that isn't covered with the duvet so yeah. she have an overhang on her side <laughs> uh, i said look there must be they make duvets that like they're a tupperware lid that they've got fixed right on top it's like Give us an extra foot. Yeah, just make it a proper size. But I would recommend separate duvets. It's a game changer. I'll be honest with you, Jack. That speaks to me like that relationship's over. Yeah, I think this this, <laughs> this podcast has turned into marriage counselling. Throughout <laughs> Europe. You go to Europe, you yeah. see they have separate duvets on their double beds. And then next thing you know, you're going to Europe separately. Different holidays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everywhere, on the bed, in the be under the sheets, under the duvet. It's not wise to let your dog sleep under the sheets because they've got a fur coat on anyway, so they'll be too hot. And, and I think they've got common sense. I mean, they can't. If they wanted to go under the sheets, they could. There's not much to see down there, frankly. I'm not what I was. Um, <laughs> but they're normally on top, yeah, which is right. And then occasionally they'll go down. You know, the, the, big, the, the big thing to do is to make sure you've always taken them out before bedtime. So you don't want them in the bedroom. They want to go to the toilet and they can't go yeah. there. Yes. But yeah, apart yeah, yeah. from that, you know, occasionally, occasionally I found a surprise in the shower when I walk out in the morning. But apart from that, it's it's all good. You know, we, we like having them with us. And the, the thing is, well, though, I think if you're going to do it, you've got to do it and stick with it. Because obviously it's a weird thing to let them think they can go in there and then say some nights they can't. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. They just wouldn't understand that. There is a minor hygiene health issue. And, if you have a problem with hairs, there's going to be hair floating around on the bed and dust. But we have, when when we're home with the cats, I'm away at the moment, when we're home with the cats as well, we have three cats who live upstairs. And so in the evening, if, if we're watching TV in the bed, we have two dogs, sometimes three, and three cats on the bed. And then it really is hard to move your legs under the duvet. That is a menagerie, yeah. Like a load of like kettlebells lying around holding the duvet different spots. Yeah, but yeah. it's nice. They're very sweet animals. Do they watch telly? Uh, no, I don't think so. Like most people, they've moved to watching it on tablets in a smaller <laughs> form. <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
know, me and Jack are on the way out, Sean, you're okay with your TikTok, but I don't think I say, okay, I mean, obviously if a dog barks on TV, they'll sometimes respond. Yes, but that's what Mildred does. I think they know, it's not about it being two-dimensional and not having smells and not having those other qualities. I think they do, they filter it out. Phoebe, my daughter and her boyfriend have got a, a French bulldog called Nelly and she <laughs> loves a bit of telly. She loves to watch telly, but she gets involved and if, it's, if there's football on, she wants to get in there and yeah. start running after the ball and stuff. Or if another dog comes on, she goes a bit nuts. So it's funny that some dogs kind of are completely calm about it, but others aren't. Yeah. How do you get around to choosing the breeds that you go for, Jonathan? Do you, is it, do you think, oh, I fancy one of those? Or is it you hear of someone who's got puppies or what, what tends to happen? Okay, when we had all the dogs, you know, my daughter chose a Chihuahua, who was very sweet, but very yappy. Yeah. So my kids chose their three dogs. Okay. I've always liked pugs, and now there's a move, I believe, to stop people breeding pugs because of their encephalitic, I believe, is the word when they have the mm. pressed nose, and it does give them breeding and health issues. So I, I fully understand that. I'm not going to say that isn't a bad thing. And, uh, you know, a pug with a bigger nose, I don't find objectionable. I like the look of pugs. I think it was because when I was a kid, there was a fairy tale I read about a tinderbox and it was guarded by a big dog. And the picture I had in this book when I was a kid was of this giant pug. I'd never seen a pug in real life because in Leytonstone, East London, where I grew up in the 60s, you didn't see breed dogs really. You know, all the dogs were like a delightful melange, whatever was available on the street. Well, they were all, all like trug, were they all like running they were around all, yeah. and mating on the football pitch? I knew some people who had like a collie, yeah, uh, okay. but we all looked down on them because they were like, we thought they were posh. Not not just because they had the collie, just because they had enough money to buy a collie, I guess. But I grew up in a name, you know, it was East London. It was actually, bizarrely, when I was very young, it wasn't that racially mixed. It was mixed in terms of there were quite a lot of Polish families and Irish families, but there weren't many people of colour there. And then gradually, when I got about 11, 12, suddenly there was a big influx in that part of London of West Indian, African, Indian and Pakistani families. And so by the time I was at school later on, then that, that was the mix. And, and most of the people who had dogs, it wasn't like where I live now in North London, you know, in a kind of wealthier part of London, almost everyone seems to have a dog. Dog ownership, I think maybe it was the financial aspect. Maybe it was like that was just a little bit too much more when they were, everyone was struggling anyway, you know. Um, so I think uh, it was it was nowhere near as common. Well, plus there was the lockdown boom. I mean, you got a dog in lockdown, you said, and I, I got Mildred in lockdown as well. Got a dog in lockdown because Sweeney died. And when Sweeney died, we thought, okay, well, let's re replace him with a new dog. Let's start again. It won't be a replacement. We love Sweeney so much, but let's get a new dog. So that's why we did that. But I think a lot of people did, because we, we already had a handful of dogs in lockdown. So we were already kind of occupied in that way. I, I really enjoyed lockdown. A lot of people kind of Same. found it a bit of a sabbatical, didn't they? I suppose it was, uh, you know, as difficult as it was. Just going back to that, though, did you, so do you find out the breeders who, who to go to? Or is it through a friend of a friend or what? Look, you've known me for many years. <laughs> Am I the sort of person that you think spends a lot of time researching things <laughs> and considered and well kind of researched? Or do you think I'm more of an impulsive fool? If it was a toy robot, I know you'd, you'd, you'd put the research in. So, yeah. but, but I think... <laughs> yeah. I am a creature of impulse with very poor risk assessment. Right. Uh, however, I'm lucky enough to be with someone who is not that impulsive and actually is quite thorough. So Jane thinks of food. So the only reason... The reason why we've stumbled on Bossel's Griffins is once we met someone who had a really charming, sweet little dog. And we said, oh, my God, we've never seen one of those because they're not that common. We've never seen what, what sweet dog, what breed is it? And then when, ja when it came Jane's turn to get a dog, we got a Bossel's Griffin and we all fell in love with Sweeney. Yeah. I always tended towards bulldogs. I never had a bulldog, but I like the look of bulldogs. French bulldogs, pugs, 
Well, in the same way that when I've bought cars, I've, I've got a nice car at the moment. People say to me, they'll ask me about the engine. I haven't got the faintest idea what's inside it. No, I don't know no. what it is or how it works. Something about the way it looked, I found pretty and it resonated with me. And that's how I am with dogs. If I like the way they look, but then I, I don't think I've met a dog I didn't like, you know. You know, I like, I really like animals generally. I really like dogs. I really like cats, mice. I like hamsters and gerbils, but I'm allergic to one of them. And I come out in a terrible rash and I have to take steroids. But tragically, I can't remember which. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by The Weather Channel. It's suggested that brands avoid using sound effects and podcast ads. And remember to speak in a chill tone. Well, here's a suggestion for everyday life. Tap into the Weather Channel app. It's loaded with insights that help you manage your allergies, breathe easy, and use your outside voice. What in the weather are you waiting for? Be a force of nature with the Weather Channel app. When you're seen out on Hampstead Heath with your four dogs, is that is that do people like to make a beeline and come and talk to you, or do you feel that the dogs are a, a kind of leveler, that you feel that you're not really a celebrity walking dogs anymore that people kind of just want to talk about the dogs i don't think people ever come up and talk to me because i'm a celebrity over there because i think you know mm. I, sometimes you do get people who yeah. go oh they talk to you first about the dog go, oh it's you I, yeah um i've never really been a fan you know you get that sort of thing. <laughs> i love your wife though um yeah, get I, a lot of that. I, I do find you know that we all all the dog owners do tend to talk to each other yeah, yeah. And often people will come up, and it depends on the weather. Sometimes you have people over there sort of having picnics, and you have to make sure your dogs, the ones we let off the lead, don't go and bother them too much. So you'll chat to them in that way. Some of the dog owners are lovely. Some of them are very annoying, of course, you know. And it's quite nice when we go out walk together, Jane and I. You know, it's kind of that gives you something else to talk about, which is you chat to the people, and afterwards you go, oh, she's awful. <laughs> He's such a bore, that guy. Why is he always going about the army? You know what I mean? You've, it's quite fun. I think yeah. it adds a certain, you know, it gives you another texture to when you go out together. But but overall, you know, it's mainly I think dog people do talk to dog people all the time, you know. All the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever rescued a dog? Have you ever heard of a dog needing a home? Yeah, when we had the nine dogs, I think one of the ones we took in, someone couldn't have it anymore and they knew we had a breed like that and they said, well, we look after it for them. And yeah. initially we intended just to look after and try and find somewhere else to go, but we kept it. He died he had an accident when running. We don't know what happened. He just got ill one day. I took him to the vet and he said he had, it was called torsion. Something got twisted inside. And he said sometimes yeah. it happens, which I'd never heard of before. He was very sweet, though. So, um, yeah, we did that. I've never gone to Battersea or any of the dog homes and taken in a dog no. like that. You know, occasionally you think as, as, like, as your career begins to slow down, you think, okay, I might want to take it a bit easier. You do think about maybe taking on a few extra dogs. Yeah. You know, but it is. it does, obviously, the responsibility of them. It's not quite as great responsibility of children, but, you know, you can't travel as easily. You can't just up and go away for the weekend. You can't do all that stuff where you have to think about it. It's a very, it's a very heart wrenching thing, isn't it? Because uh, our Dolly, uh, my Jane, discovered Dolly on uh, on a website. Um, she said, "I found a, I found a Chihuahua that desperately needs a home." And uh, I said, "Oh yeah, where'd you find this?" On a website called Chihuahuas that desperately need a home. And, <laughs> and there's a little picture of this Chihuahua, literally with its paws in front, like it was praying. <laughs> she look at this. Don't oh, even look. If you look at those things, we. But I do. Um, I do chuck cash to a bunch of dog charities, and that that bizarrely there was a, I think it was a pug rescue center in America, and I think for about six months I was more or less keeping them afloat single-handed. Yeah. <laughs> they kept sending me pictures, and I kept, and I said, "Look, here's what I can afford to give you this. Stop yeah. sending me the pictures, <laughs> right? 
They're lovely. <laughs> but I can't, I can't rescue all your dogs. I just can't. You know? know. There were pugs in England that were relying on me as well. I'm also aware, are you aware of, and you didn't do this, uh, Jack, but are you aware of the kind of slight moral superiority that people have when you bump into dog walkers and they go, yeah, 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 well, this is, this is, uh, this is Trixie. She's a rescue. Yes, yeah, 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 no, they, they drop it in immediately, <laughs> don't they? Yeah. You've got all breed dogs, haven't you? And it's like, yeah, all right, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is, there, there is, you're quite right. There is a, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a snobbery about it and people. Yeah, look, would you like to, oh, there's a battle going oh, on there. Right. This is I know, a, the, oh, no, no, she's. To... Looking at the two, but do they do they have fallings out? These two? No, I mean we were worried when we first got that was Pumpkin and Spooky were having a bit of a bite yeah. face fight, but yeah. we were worried when we got Pumpkin because Spooky was so doted on, he was so kind of like loved, and we so we had to make sure that whenever you picked her up, you picked him up as well. Whenever you spoke yes. praising to her, yeah. and and he's dealt with it very well. He's like you know it's like the only child, and then a new baby comes in. You know you just got to make sure that you don't sow the seeds of sibling homicide. So they but they they get on great, and, but but you know it's weird because the small puppies sometimes they try and bother the older dogs who aren't as keen on playing, but they're very they all get on very well. I think also I think if you're calm and if you have a fairly calm atmosphere, then and if you don't react too crazily when they when they do fight or they do have an inevitable little kind of tussle over yeah. food, yeah, then that's fine. But I think you can I think they pick up a lot from you, the yeah. vibes. Yeah. Lead by example. Yeah. Before we let you go, you've had many dogs over the years and you talked about earlier on that Trog was on its way out so that, so you got Tramp. Is that right? Well, no, I think Trog's on the way out and she'd had a litter and I think my parents kept one of the litter, yeah. And, you know, people obviously very sadly lose their dogs. As you've had so many dogs over the years and obviously you've sadly lost dogs, is there any advice that you would give on on how to cope with that? Someone said to me recently that, when a dog seems to be on its way out, the best thing you can do is go and get a dog at that point. So that eases it for you. What do you think? No, I don't think that's a necessarily a good idea. I think, to be honest with you, I don't think there is one good sort of like um, one, one cure, yeah. one remedy for that. Of you course. Because some dogs, when they die, are going to hit you harder than other dogs because mm. it depends on your relationship with sure. them. When Sweeney died, we were both really, really in pieces, and uh, and also when Mister Pickle died, I was really cut up. He was a pug from years ago. Yeah. But we, I lost two pugs at the beginning of last year, and even though I was very sad they both died, I wasn't as sad in a way. I mean, they were really sweet, and they weren't that old. They were both coming up for eleven, but one died, and then the other one died about two months afterwards. And it's horrible coming downstairs and finding a dead dog is one of the worst things in the world. Oh my Ooh. god! But at the same time, you know, that is their lifespan. Sure, we've got all their ashes in different boxes on the piano at home yes i've got the ashes of my old family yeah. dog yeah and i've got a bench with pickle's name on down at the end of the garden i put his name oh. on a bench you do find you know it is it's a genuine grief if you've had a genuine emotional connection more with the dog i think than with a smaller animal like we've had mice and we've had snakes and we've had niguana you know you like all them but it's not quite the same because dogs you know, like right now, you can see here lots of spookies right there on my oh. lap. You're connected. I mean, the way we are anyway, I only speak for myself. We're connected to all animals slightly differently. You know, and we have a, a greater degree of emotional attachment to some than yes. others, even though we love them all. And For example, like Snowball, who I can say this, even though he's right next to me, I can say this because he's completely deaf, but he's pretty old now, you know, yeah. so he won't have that much longer. And like when he goes, it'll be very sad. But at the same time, because he seems a little bit, confused by life you know yeah. being deaf and being sometimes you know not quite able to enact we can't let him off the lead because he's deaf because of course if he runs off you can't call him yeah so the quality of his life even though it's not 
awful. It's not as great as it might have been. And he's older now. So when he does inevitably start losing his strength and dying, I won't feel quite as sad about yeah. that as like the puppy I talked about earlier who died young. Yeah. Yeah. Accidentally, the torsion thing, which we don't even know what caused it. So the same way, like when when a family member goes, if an older family member goes, you're sad, of course, but but they're older, you know. It's yeah. like mm. going to happen. Like you know, if I died tomorrow, I know Jack would be actually he wouldn't actually be bothered, <laughs> but, uh, but he'd probably be a, a little upset. I'd be devastated. Like, yeah, and so, but I'm an old man now. You know, I'm not ancient, but I'm an old man. So he's like, I've had a life. You know, mm. so I think you do. There's so many factors that play into the grief that we feel about things. You know, when when a dog that you love dies, you can't replace it. That's the truth. You can't replace it. And another dog won't replace okay. it because the other dog is a different thing. Yeah. You know, but it can certainly maybe help you through the grief in the same way that if you're grieving for someone, keeping busy is a good thing. Being occupied is yes. a good thing. When you have a new young thing in your life that is just full of, like, you know, the hope and the excitement of every new day is exciting to a new puppy, some of that does rub off on you. You know, and it does take your mind off what you're feeling. And inevitably, one day, hopefully, you'll have the same bond with that animal that you have with the one that's gone. And you won't feel the emptiness that you felt from the first one. But I think buying a dog for that reason is probably not a good enough reason to buy a dog. Certainly not. No, I don't think it would be. Yeah. So, you, I mean, because I remember when you had that iguana when uh, when I first knew you. And that was, uh, but you, I, I find it difficult, the, the idea of having a relationship with a reptile. Was, yeah. Am I right about that? I don't know. Ask Jane how she feels about it. Yeah, yeah. She loved them, did she? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean your wife. How she? Oh, my wife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a nice. That was, Boom. That was a <laughs> mic drop. A cold-blooded creature is as deserving of affection as a woman. <laughs> we have a, a a question that we ask everyone on this, and um, it's when it comes to. Uh, kissing your dogs will you let them kiss you on the lips i think jonathan's full tongues no i'd rather not i don't oh, really, really i don't go for it on purpose what they do is they look especially the old um french bulldog snowball he loves to lick he'll lick my legs for about an hour <laughs> yeah. my right leg is virtually hairless now you know it, i've been exfoliated <laughs> by the rough dog tongue <laughs> and they love to lick your feet and they love to sit there and they'll lick under your neck i think it's where it's a little bit sweaty or a bit salty they like mm. it you know I don't really like kissing a dog, and you shouldn't. I don't think you should kiss your dogs because you've seen, you know, they lick each other's bums and they go out and they'll eat anything on the floor. I mean, the the number of times I've seen them, as I said, the two Brussels eat, trying to eat mice. Yeah. Come in and they, what are you eating? Have you eaten a snail or something? What's that on your face? You know, you know that they will, oh, I'll try that. That looks yeah, like it's right. moving it's... and it might be edible. I'll try it. You know, so I, I don't let them kiss me on purpose, but when no, they do, no. I, don't, I don't react with horror. I kind of like just move yes. them away. It does sound like how pandemic starts, isn't it? Really? Yeah. You, you allow that interspecies. <laughs> don't connection. let them. Yeah. If they've eaten a bat, don't come kissing me. <laughs> well, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. It was lovely to meet all of the dogs. They're all here. Like... Have all five. Thank you very much for sharing all those all those details. It's been it's it's always an interesting insight to talk to people about their their dogs rather than their careers. You know. And, yeah. Um... Well, let's face it. These days, my career is not doing as well as my dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I can I can completely relate to that, and it's You're both part, doing okay. it's part of why I have a dog. <laughs> yeah, oh, we, you know right. what? We're doing exactly as much as we want to do. Is the truth. <laughs> That was amazing. 
He could. Talk, I mean, he's just to talk forever. I mean, he's he's lovely, and uh, it's it's such a treat hearing Jonathan talk about anything. But to hear him talk about that element of his private life, I think is uh, was really fantastic. And in a way, it's what I hoped would happen with this podcast: is that people enjoy divulging details of their own self via talking about their pets. Absolutely. I think I would say though, Jack, that I think nine dogs is too much. I couldn't do that. I mean, I'm sure people listening to this will say, no, you're wrong. But I think once you get beyond three dogs, I mean, two is very nice. But three, I think beyond that, you're certainly, they start to behave like a pack rather than seeing you as, as like my mate. Right, you know? yeah. Right, so that's the thing. Even he has admitted that, that that really was, that's too much to handle. I mean, that is like running a kennel, isn't it? <laughs> yes. It is, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, and to have to do two lots of walks at once is a real, a real drag. Yes. It was interesting him kind of confessing that. And it wasn't, it was really lovely to hear but about the, the different relationships with different dogs because I've only ever had one dog. I had my family dog, mm. Gertrude, and, and Mildred, who is now part of the family. But I've never experienced that different relationship with different dogs. Isn't it interesting? You know, you can have all those dogs and each one is a very different character. And so you, you develop a different relationship with. Yeah. And partly it's a character that you impose on them. But it's all, it certainly is. A lot of it is. it is. Yeah. But a lot of it is also the character of the dog itself. You know, you will find that some dogs just are much more fun and much more responsive or whatever they are. And they've got yeah. likes and dislikes. And then it does come down to that thing where you kind of create a personality for them as well. So they, yeah. they become a, an avatar of some aspect of your own personality. He obviously loves his dogs. He loves his animals. Yeah. And it was, it was almost the first thing that he said, I think, is that the, you know, the reason he loves them so much is, is the relationship is simple. And it's a, such a simple, easy place to put your love. Yes, yes. They are unconditional and uh, they rely on you for everything. Yeah. And, you, and, and that appeals to the, the sort of humane element of ourselves uh, that we enjoy providing that for something that does need you very much. And it, it's, it's funny because people often say, oh, they're, they're children's substitutes or baby substitutes. But... Actually, even when you've got children and have or babies, and it's that that need is still there. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And and also something to keep you warm in bed at night. That's the other thing, isn't it? That's, is that it's just something to uh, cuddle up to. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, look, no, no, no. This is where it gets interesting because when you're in a relationship, and um, you know, certainly when you have a relationship is new. Like you, you've got a new yes. girlfriend, you you're always making a huge fuss of each other, aren't you? And you and you're calling each other diddums, and you've got little voices <laughs> and silly all that stuff, and the you know, oh, yeah. oh love you, 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 yeah, you 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 put the phone down first, and all that. No, you put it down first, all that, all that stuff. Okay, so that lovely to get an insight in a new relationship, and that's a marvelous thing, right? Yes. But, but after after as we all know, after two or three days, that is. <laughs> That that recedes, okay. But the need for that kind of that kind of uh, you know cuteness and yeah. stuff, it, it it remains, and you can land it on your dog, 
and some people will, if it's your, your, your cat or whatever it is. Yes, but yeah, I think yeah. dogs are particularly good for that because it would be unbearable if you if you were still. I mean, look, I, I obviously I love my wife Jane, and uh, but we've been together for sort of thirty four years or something. So wow. it would be weird if we were still to. Obviously, you did a nice day. So I can't, I can't. She'd say, "What are you doing?" You know. I love the idea. Please go, go back to that. I think you should start talking. To, show us, show us some interest, Jack. Please she'd today. She would probably she'd call the doctor. You know, it wouldn't be the first time. And and say, look, this Jack's not right. <laughs> I, I think he needs to go back on them. <laughs> Right, but but there is that need to sort yeah. of cosit something and, yes. and and completely, you know, uh, and need a receptacle for all that spare kind of love that we have that we can no longer uh, be bothered to express in any other way. Does <laughs> that people. make sense to you? Do you absolutely, know what I mean? that absolutely yeah. makes sense to me. And <laughs> I... <laughs> no, it does. It really does. I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's well. I mean, it's what it's what Jonathan pretty much said. It's somewhere to put your love. That's what that's what you're yeah, saying. It's that's somewhere it. to put it. And even with kids as well, it's still you still need that because actually, if you treated your kids like that, your kids would grow up weird, wouldn't they? Because you, they they'd be spoiled. You know, if I talk to the, the child I'm going to have, yes, the yes. way I talk to Mildred, they would grow up. They would turn up at school going, "Hello, my name is Charlie, and now I'm coming to study." I can't. I can't have that. There's always a chance they will be like that anyway. <laughs> well, there is. <laughs> and you're going to have to love them all the, all the more. <laughs> oh, what a great guest Jonathan was. Wasn't that was. lovely? Wasn't that a treat? <laughs>